Welcome to the Basketball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, with Krishna. And today we're talking about which defensive roles are the most impactful. Uh, we talk about defensive roles a lot here at Basketball Index. It's one of the unique things we have uh, just because like, we just move beyond you know, point guard, shooting guard, center, those roles. Uh, these, these define what you're doing. There's offensive roles and defensive roles because sometimes your job can be different uh, depending on what side of the court you're on. And uh, we talk about them a lot. You know, We have on ball, we have off ball, we have bigs. But today we wanted to talk about uh, which ones actually have the most impact, which ones have the most value. And uh, we're lucky enough, we got uh, Sora Rane on the show today. He uh, had a fantastic tweet, uh, kind of tweet thread about a week or two ago that really dug into the data and started to kind of figure out where the value was coming from and which roles were the most valuable. So uh, Saurabh, how you doing? And uh, what were your initial findings? Yeah, doing well, doing well. Um, thanks for being on. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, yeah, it's like sparked out of a tweet I saw where this like Twitter user out of this poll, like what is more important to building a team, like point of attack defense or like having just really good rim protection. And it was like really surprising. The poll had like 60% of users like, no, I think point of attack defense is the most important thing, like, more important than rim protection. And I was like pretty shocked to, to hear that. I was like, maybe there's like some trends. And I uh, found some pretty cool stuff. Like uh, I think one of the cool things is like, one is like point of attack defense has become more impactful. Like just looking at, the top 25 guys in point of attack defense in our in basketball indexes D LeBron metric, they've like that number, the impact of those guys has gone, uh, gone up in the last like, like six, seven years, which has been pretty cool to see. Yeah. I, uh, I think I've told this story before, but I have a little bit of like PTSD. The Lakers were playing. It was one of the early thunder teams and, you know, young Russell Westbrook shot out of a cannon and Derek Fisher, good defender throughout his career. But at that point, Derek Fisher was like, I don't know, like 47 years old. And the stress I had of Russell Westbrook getting into the interior and uh, creating so much like made me kind of obsessed with point of attack defenders. So I've always leaned really, really heavily towards wanting uh, a high value guy there. And it's interesting to see the league kind of changing uh, throughout the years, as you stated, to kind of leaning toward that being a more impactful position. So. Uh, we have seven defensive roles at Basketball Index. Today, we're just keying in on five. Uh, the five we're going to be looking at is we have under on ball, which is point of attack and wing stopper. The difference there is you're at wing stopper. You're obviously just guarding a little bit bigger of a player. Uh, after that, we have off ball. We have helper, which can be a hybrid. A lot of people can be put in that role. But what you're doing a lot is you're rotating over to help. And that can be wings. That can be bigs. Like you, a lot of different people can fit into that role. And then lastly, we have bigs. And then at Basketball Index, we have mobile big and anchor big. And those are broken up into how you handle coverages. So anchor bigs are primarily in drop coverage and pick and roll. And then mobile bigs will be switching. They'll be hedging more, but they still also do play drop coverage. So uh, we have on ball, point of attack, wing stopper. We have uh, our off ball role, which is helper, which uh, a lot of different players can, can be put into that. It really just depends on how the team wants to utilize them. Like Rob Williams is a good example of that. People think of him as a big, and he is, but Boston with Al Horford, when they paired together, they would use Rob as the helper, and then they would use Horford as a mobile big. And then lastly, uh, the two bigs I talked about, just recapping mobile big and anchor big. So you talked about the rise in point of attack defense the last couple of years. Just wanted to highlight a few guys that were outstanding last year. Alonzo Ball actually led the league in D. LeBron uh, as a point of attack defender. He's been out all year. 
uh, with an injury. Unfortunately, Jay Crowder, <laughs> this is a weird list. I didn't realize this. Jay Crowder has been holding out on the Suns all year. He hasn't played. He was second. And then Gary Payton, the second, who has missed almost the entire year with an injury. I think he just got back, was third. So that that's interesting. I didn't realize that till just now. The top three guys last year in point of attack defense actually haven't even played this year or barely have. Yeah, it's good. I think it's all right. We've had some other other guys really kind of show out. Like Alex Caruso has been great in that role this year. Um, and then Ayo DeSumo out in Chicago as well has been great in that role. Uh, I really like what you like. Westbrook uh, is a pretty good example, actually, of like what bad point of attack defense can lead to. I'm like, I remember that that OKC Lakers series. And like Westbrook would continue to push the pace and like would just consistently beat uh, the Lakers guys off the bounce and just easily get to the paint, create these great opportunities. And uh, what's that called? I think that's where point of attack defense could really succeed, right? Good point of attack defense can stop those kind of things from happening. There's this really good Twitter thread by Bowser to Bowser on this where he talked about how a really good point of attack defender, what they can do is just like slow down the offense um, where like a little bit of like full court pressure or whatever it might be stops defenses or offenses from getting into their sets a lot earlier, which is pretty impactful. I've uh, been watching a little bit more college ball lately. It kind of reminds me of like a really good press in college, right? Like you're making your guy, you're making opposing offenses start their sets at like the 20 second mark rather than earlier in the shot clock. Um, and I think the point of attack guys in the NBA can accomplish something really similar. This kind of makes me think about how the league is trending towards like there, there's a big emphasis right now on length, um, playing a lot of forwards, the Nets, the Raptors, um, kind of going away from the really big guys and the really small guys. But this emphasis on point of attack defense, which is normally smaller players because you have the, the ability to move laterally, which is the most important thing of staying in front of people. Um we don't talk about ball pressure a ton. That isn't something that's in the, uh, I don't know, zeitgeist of, especially like NBA Twitter. And I feel like, like you were talking about there, like especially like, you know, things picking up in half court, kind of starting to bleed the shot clock early, like making it so teams uh, don't get into their sets as quickly. And then if things, you know, kind of sputter out, not being able to run that second and third action. Um, ball pressure is something that, you know, a guy like Jose Alvarado, his ball pressure, I would imagine, is probably the best in the league. And when you have that at the point of attack, it just disrupts everything. And there's so many things down the chain that get affected by that. So I don't know. I would like to see. Actually, I've, we've, I've talked to Christian about this a little behind the scenes of maybe trying to figure out a way to measure ball pressure. Uh, we aren't exactly sure how we do it yet, but I think that's one of those things where. Uh, especially at like the really like the lower lower levels of like children's basketball. <laughs> like I've coached some teams. Like the, it, obviously it's different at that skill level because everyone's not as good. But like you get some ball pressure off them little kids. Oh man, everything really falls apart. Yeah, I think it's so apparent. At, like any sort of like lower level in the NBA, right? Like full court presses work. Like you, you can't do them in NBA, but like it's point of attack guys can do like a facsimile of that, right? And do do a pretty decent job of it. Um, I know you mentioned we don't have a really good way to measure ball pressure, but we can kind of see some of that stuff like directionally. Like the Bulls have two of the best point of attack, like some really good point of attack guys in Io and Caruso, and kind of like consequently they allow the least amount of shots like early in the shot clock. Um, so like that's like six seconds or less. So D'Antoni Suns would not want to go get go go up against these guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, so we do have some things. So we have pickpocket rating, which is your on ball steals. And then we also have on-ball defense, which is a, a stat we have that 
So like measuring perimeter defense is difficult, but the way we do it is we look at uh, how much you lower shot quality and then also how often you suppress attempts. So there is a little bit of suppression in there, which I think is good and kind of captures uh, if you combine those two, you could there could be an element of ball pressure in there. You probably maybe need a couple more factors. But if you're generating a lot of on ball steals and you're suppressing opponents, that could lead to a, a good way to measure ball pressure. Uh, Want to talk about some other roles. So. Uh, just hitting on you, you, you had a beautiful graphic on Twitter. The top players in each role over the the 2022 season. So we had Rudy Gobert as the top uh, anchor big. We had Robert Covington as the top helper. We had Al Horford as the top mobile big. Alonzo uh, Ball, like I said earlier, was the top point of attack, and then Herb Jones over in New Orleans was the top wing stopper. And I think one of the things I wanted to hit on in this podcast was we talk about defensive roles all the time. And anytime you have guys at the very, very top, there's a lot of outliers, right? And they are all fantastic defenders that are very impactful. But I wanted you to talk about uh, a little bit about how the value changes from each role and then uh, actually which role is the most valuable in the regular season. Yeah, exactly. We, we've kind of <laughs> talked a lot. Like we've really talked a lot of praise around like front of attack defense, but in terms of like LeBron, D LeBron, like it actually still lags a lot of your traditional bigs. Uh, like for example, like the fifth best point of attack defender has a lower D LeBron, like the 25th best anchor big, right? Like bigs are still, I think, I think at least the, the, the backbone of defense, right? Point of attack guys help, wing stoppers help, it's on ball defense and on ball pressure is helpful. But it really feels like your your defense kind of lives and dies by how good your, your big is. Um, you brought up something earlier about like shot deterrence, so that was really, which is kind of like the whole point of it, right? Like if you have a really good big, you can probably prevent a lot of shots at the rim. Um, and I think the Warriors like are a really good example of that, right? Uh, I think everyone sees the Warriors like GP2, Wiggins, like, oh, we have all these great of attack defenders um but a lot of the defense success comes because like draymond's a really great anchor big and he prevents a lot of um shots at the rim um like i know last year opponents would shoot six percent less shots at the rim when draymond was on the floor none of the other we we didn't see that big a swing with wiggins or gp2 or any of the other point of any other defenders from the warriors like draymond solely was bringing down a lot of that rim pressure that opposing rim frequency when he was on the floor. Um, so, yeah, I think it is all about shot deterrence, and those bigs are really good at deterring shots at the rim, more so than, like, point-of-attack guys. Yeah, I think that highlights another point I wanted to make about... Like, we talk about length, obviously, a lot, height, a lot, and those things are important, but with rim deterrence, I think positioning is really important, and I think the Draymond thing, you know, he does have great length, but one of the things that I think makes him such a special player, a Hall of Fame player, is he has elite defensive positioning. You think of a guy classically like Tim Duncan. Yes, he does have all the tools, uh, but you know, being you know in part of that that high IQ label that he got, I feel like defensive positioning, while is a difficult thing to sometimes see all the time it's it's very easy when someone's doing it all of it's it's hard to see how do i say that it's hard to see like you know maybe play to play when you're not when you're looking at the ball but over and over and over again when you see an offense try to attack a big and they are uh, very at a high level in the correct position you start to see the dampening effects of how powerful that can be the other thing i, I just wanted to also add about uh 
like bigs, uh, their value in, in the regular season is like rim protection um, is or rim deterrence. Like the thing you want to prevent is shots at the rim, right? Like three point shots are going to be kind of highly variable. And um, so like the thing you absolutely want to do to build a great defense is to prevent shots at the rim. And often like you have like all of your great defensive bigs are going to be both deterring and protecting the rim. Um, and that's why that role is just going to be so much more valuable to me, at least like in my opinion, for like prevent for having a good defense in the regular season. There's also an element of how often a a player is involved, right? So you, you think of football. The reason the defensive end position is probably the most valuable position on the defensive side of the ball is because of the amount of plays they impact uh, versus, you know, maybe like a, an off-ball linebacker or a safety or a corner. It's not that those roles can't provide huge value, but just the the way the game works, the defensive end is just so often impacting the quarterback uh, it, it's similar in the way of every time a player drives in basketball, like the big is probably going to be involved in some way versus, you know, if you are a wing stopper or a point of attack or a helper, if the player you're guarding doesn't have the ball, you might not be involved in that play uh, on any given point in the game. But if you are a, a big, the chances of you being involved in the action is just far higher because of the way basketball works. Yeah, so that's a really great comparison, right? Like defensive ends, like yeah, they impact almost every a good defensive end impacts every single play that happens. And I think a good defensive big does the same, but they may not just get the credit for it. Uh, I think the finals last year are a really good example, right? Wiggins did a really admirable job on Tatum, Tatum and 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 whoever else in Boston, and he got a lot of good credit for that because like you as a watcher would see Tatum put up a shot, Wiggins is the closest defender, and the shot misses. Um, but I think what gets lost in some of those clips is like. Oftentimes, before Tatum even pulls up for that jumper, you see Draymond kind of hanging around the paint, two nining in, into the paint, cutting off that driving lane, and Tatum really has no choice but to shoot the jumper. So Draymond did the job of kind of deterring the drive, and then Wiggins helps clean it up by playing really great on-ball defense. And it's not just Wiggins doing the job, right? It's the big really impacting the decision-making of the perimeter player. Yeah, that's a, a fantastic example. I feel like that that really highlights the things we've been trying to talk about. So that's a good segue. Let's talk about uh, the playoffs. Let's talk about how the defensive roles change from the regular season to the playoffs. Uh, Saurabh, where are you seeing the biggest increase and the biggest decline in role impact going from the regular season to the playoffs? Yeah, maybe actually I'm going to pass the mic over to Christian. I think he knows a little bit more about the playoff data than I do. Um, yeah, so we had looked at this a few years ago, and the thing we found is like anchor bigs uh, did go down the most, um, and we found that wing stoppers went up uh, the most along with uh, chasers, but our, our kind of sample size here for chasers was like only 11 guys, so I think uh, that's something we want to look into uh, a little bit more. Um, one of the issues, obviously, with uh, this comparison is like, uh, so when we did this study a few years ago, we looked at only guys that had been in the same defensive role for all three years in the playoffs um, because we were looking at three-year playoff LeBron impact. Um, and so that's kind of one of the issues, slight issues we have in terms of looking at like the regular season of the playoffs because our playoff LeBron data is just like, is is grouped in three different years 
Um, and that's, of course, because like the sample sizes are so small that um, doing it for one year, uh, doing a one year playoff run would just wouldn't really work. So um, so when we did it, we looked at like guys who stayed in the same defensive role, I think, for all three years um, in the playoffs. And then uh, I think it was the same case for the regular season. Um, I think Sarah did something. I think he looked at a two at two out of three, right? Yeah, exactly. So I looked at it like two out of three years. Uh, so like if you were in the same, like if you're a helper for two out of three years, but a mobile big, maybe the next year, like your, your team used you slightly differently, um, then we, we changed that up. Draymond's a really good example of that. I think in recent years, he's been used more as a, as a sole big uh, versus like I think earlier on in his Warriors career, he was deciding, uh, alongside Andrew Bogut and didn't have less rim protection duties. Uh, but yeah, anyways, uh, what we're seeing there actually is like pretty in line with that, right? Anchor bigs, like they're, they're by far the most impactful group uh, in the regular season. But come playoff time, it's, there's a bit more, it's, it's a lot more even. They're still really important, uh, but we kind of see helpers become more important, uh, wing stoppers become more important, and anchor bigs uh, definitely take the biggest hit, uh, especially relative to the other roles in terms of their defensive impact per D-LeBron. Yeah, I think I think that's the biggest point of the podcast, right? Is anchor bigs, they do have the largest decline in value, but they are still valuable. Because I, I think that's like one, it's like a hot thing whenever I talk to some of my friends. They're like, oh, you can't play any bigs in the playoffs. Like they just think this. And I'm like, well, <laughs> that's not right. <laughs> so it is it, it, like, I, I feel like I like it, it bears repeating where it's like, it's the biggest decline, but it still is the most valuable role. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the reason for that decline is um, is an interesting question. But like to your point, question uh, point earlier about like you can't play bigs in the playoffs, I often think that has more to do with like the offensive side of the ball um, for a lot of the bigs that are like traditionally drop bigs, and that's where like most of their overall value comes on defense. Um, I think it often actually has more to do like if their overall impact going down in playoffs has more to do with like them on the offensive side of the ball. Like one of the interesting things is Joel Embiid is um, one of the players that actually does not go down in D LeBron. And actually he has one of the highest overall LeBrons in, in like the three year playoff uh, in, in one of the three year and a few different three of the three year playoff windows. And, and Embiid obviously is really good on offense um defensively that's an interesting question like why doesn't he go down on defense versus like somebody like a Rudy Gobert and it makes me wonder maybe the offense actually like Gobert's offensive value is perhaps tied into him going down on defense and because Embiid is a much better offensive center maybe he doesn't see that same decline on defense what do you guys think so I think it's a couple things, right? I think you're you're definitely onto something, but I think the level of competition gets higher, right? And there's plenty of players, like I think of Chris Paul, right? Where nowadays in the NBA, you're like, all right, if we can force teams into mid-range shots, like they are going to by percentage like shoot worse. But when you're playing against, let's say, like the top ten teams in the league. They have the the stars that are have the ability to like Chris Paul taking a mid range shot over and over and over again, or Kevin Durant is like not that bad. But if you're playing the Pistons or you're playing Orlando and you're forcing those players to take mid range shots, like I think you're going to fall off a cliff there pretty quickly. So I think it has to do with the level of competition, and then I also think this helps separate out 
the tall people from the good defenders. And I know it sounds kind of silly, but in the regular season, like you park a tall enough person next to the basket over the course of 82 games, and they are going to alter, deter, and block enough shots to where there will be value, especially like there's some bigger guys that don't have great mobility. And I think when you get to the playoffs, you start to see, oh, these anchor bigs that are very tall and do all these things are also pretty mobile and just like good defenders with like elite positioning. I think positioning really comes into play in the playoffs more because again, everything's sharpened, everything's faster, everything is just at a higher level. So I think there's like a lot of different reasons for this. Um, But I think just playing against better players is like simply the, the, the answer that pops out to me. Well, also you, you want to be able to play like versatile like you want to be able to play many different coverages on defense in the playoffs. Like that might be the one thing that I think is like the key difference is like, you want to be able to um, play like at the level of the screen, you want to be able to drop, you want to be able to switch. Um, Maybe you want to be able to even hedge. Um, So like you want to be able to do all different kinds of defenses and maybe part of the thing with a lot of the anchor bigs is like they are mainly drop bigs and for a lot of them you can't really ask them to switch uh in the playoffs or it might be even harder for some of them for example to blitz um in the playoffs so it's it might become a little harder for them to be able to play different ways but also the reason you're playing different ways right is because you can't sit and drop because the the skill level of the players you're going against is too high uh, all right, so I, I think the, the the biggest things we found here are the the anchor big being the most valuable, but it's dropping in the playoffs, and then the wing stopper rising the most. Do you guys have any? I mean, I think it's just as simple as like star like star wing players are so difficult to stop. So when you find people that that do play defense against them well, they're they're obviously going to be valuable. And I think that all that just gets uh, ratcheted up, especially with like usage and things like the playoffs. Do you think that's the the rise in the wing stopper value? Yeah, I mean, maybe just like the type of, like, there's been a lot of good wings that have gone really far in the playoffs, right? Like, last year was Tatum, uh, what's it called? Tatum, KD, like, Jalen Brown, I guess they didn't go that far, but, like, there's been a lot of good wings. Maybe that's just why, like, as the, um, like, NBA landscape, particularly toward, like, elite players, like, tends to become more and more wing-heavy, well, wing stoppers would inherently become more important. I mean, there's, like, this, t- I mean, Andre Iguodala and Kawhi won their defensive uh, they won their finals MVP because they defended a wing, right? They defended the best player. And if the best players are more and more often becoming wings, then it, I guess it would stand to reason that like wing stoppers can become more important. All right. So I think that uh, I don't think we're finished talking about this, but I think this was a really good uh, conversation to have on defensive roles, you know, which are the most impactful, which are rising, which are falling in the playoffs, uh, kind of the rise of point of attack defense, uh, the value that that has. Uh, one of the things I want to talk about maybe next time is uh, we talked we didn't really talk about mobile bigs much, which again are the bigs that switch, uh, that hedge, and then the helper role, which is a lot of the rotating. And it's interesting because there's a lot of players that can sometimes uh, go between these roles, and one th- it's just really hard to stay on top of as as a fan watching the games. But I think one of the the values of the basketball index roles is tracking that. And then seeing how those players are being used, how they're being utilized, uh, in which years, and, and maybe how that's contributing to team success. 
All right. Well, uh, I think that's going to wrap it up. Uh, Sora Barane, thanks for joining us. Thanks for uh, kind of digging into this point of attack defense. This is a fun podcast. This is something that we talk about all the time behind the scenes of uh, Basketball Index. Uh, you got a... You working on anything else? Uh, you gonna you gonna rock our worlds with any tweet uh, threads anytime soon? Um, we have some cool stuff cooking up with basketball index. Maybe some things around like player consistency. But um, gonna keep digging into this point of attack stuff and like how 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 that's changed. Right, I feel like that that's still really interesting. And this podcast just the start. And then, of if it. people want to give you a follow, what's your Twitter handle? Yeah, it's Sorab on tap. My first name on tap. All right. Well, Sora Barane, thanks for joining us. My name is Taylor for Krishna. We'll see you on the next episode of the Basketball Index Podcast.